Hey, Jason, did I tell you that Carr had its AS9100 Stage 1 audit last week? Yeah, you've been talking about that a little bit. Oh my God, it went super smooth. You know, we run ProShop ERP and our complete QMS is integrated into it. Well, that's one of the great features of ProShop. I'm telling you, we had a virtual audit. Well, you know, everything's virtual nowadays. Everything's virtual. We had a virtual audit, was able to share our screen with the auditor and all the information he requested was right there digitally. We were able to download certain reports right on the fly and email to him in real time. Great. Yeah, fabulous. You know, it truly was a pleasure to have an audit without all those binders and the ability to have it done remotely in real time was just incredible. You know, our stage two is coming up in late February, so wish me well. Yeah, I'm sure you'll do great. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Confident. It will be a seamless audit. And you know, I just could not be happier that I chose ProShop and implemented my QMS into it. It's one of the best things I've done for my business. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Nick Goldner, and I'm joined by two weapons of mass instruction for the manufacturing industry, Mr. Jason Zanger and Jim Carr. You betcha. You forgot to say that I'm an awesome bartender, too. Yeah, well... Yeah, but that really has nothing to do with being a weapon, so... A no, weapon of mass instruction? I, 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 I was so proud of that. It. I think that was pretty good, Nick, yeah. But they will see that you're a good bartender. Yes, I know. When we open up the Boring Bar, we're doing a virtual open for the Boring Bar, and the Metalworking Nation can actually sign up for that. It's a live event. I don't I Have we ever done a live stream event? We've never mixed drinks online at a live event at the Boring Bar. No, we never have. So it's definitely going to be a, it's going to be a new one for this us. This is going to yeah. be interesting. And we're doing it with the leadership of IMTS to kind of like end the IMTS spark. It's going to be fun. You know I what? can't wait. We're turning the corner. We can decide COVID is over. It's well, over. <laughs> done. Okay. Maybe COVID, not. you're done. I think that we all need a drink to celebrate manufacturing and just celebrate the end of COVID and yeah. moving forward. One of my main guys at Zenger's, Armando, calls it Covey. I think that sounds cuter. Covey. Covey. Like Covey. 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 sounds like cuter. It. It's like the cute version of COVID. Well, guys, I have some questions for you. Question number one, do you own a firearm? I own several. I actually just got a new one, Nick. It's, it's actually, I don't even know if you consider it a firearm. It ejects a 68 caliber stun and pepper bullet. Ooh. It's from this company called Birna, B-Y-R-N-A, I believe. And it looks just like a regular firearm, but it shoots this 68 caliber. It's almost like it, it, it's like a combination of like a paintball gun and a pepper sprayer. Except wow. it shoots like stun and pepper at the same time. So it's non-lethal. So I got my wife like some mace that she could carry when she walks to her car. But right. that sounds like an upgrade. It's an upgrade. And you know what you can also get with this company? You can get it in pink. Okay. Oh, for the ladies? Yeah. Very cool. What about you? You got any firearms? I do. Zero. Honestly. Yeah. No, nothing. Where is your wife walking that she needs a can of maize? I don't know. She's just paranoid. We don't live in the suburbs where everything is nice. This is Rockford. There's some sketchiness to it here. Well, and, and I live really? in the city. And so my wife carries pepper spray too. Really? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just never know, Jim. I mean, you know, I know you're kind of sheltered in Inverness, but like, you I, know, <laughs> where the rest of us live, you know, the, things happen. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess. You know, I guess. You got to be careful. Are you ready for my next question? I am. Do you own a Tommy gun? No, but actually one time at Zenger's, a customer brought a Tommy gun into the store and we all got to see one in real life. It was wow. the coolest thing. Yeah, that I know. It was cool. it was kind of crazy. I do not own a Tommy gun. No? 
No. Well, you don't own any gun. I don't own any kind of gun. Have you met Tony Gun? I just met him now. Yeah. Just right. met him now. <laughs> we will introduce him later. But first, we always do a positive kickoff. Yeah. Jason, you've had some really good ideas about changing our beloved show structure. I think you're onto something. <laughs> some of your ideas I think are pretty good. Can you describe some things that you're thinking about doing with making chips? And maybe we can get some feedback from the audience. What do they think? You know, Nick, that's a good question. And I haven't I know I mentioned on Making Chips that I was going to do that, but I haven't looked back at that, and I need to. I agree with you. Well, because, then tell me something good about Zenger's Okay, so like one of the reasons is, is because I've been Boy, so- that was a setup. I know. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Thanks for making me look bad. But one of the reasons is because I've been so busy, and we actually need to hire some people. So like- Really? That's, we need to hire some new team members, and so that's my good news. I need- we parted ways with our integrator nine months ago, and so I need like a new integrator. So what's an integrator? For someone who's like, okay, what the heck is an integrator? Well, it's somebody that gets crap done. There you go, Jim. So like in the very beginnings of making chips, making chips wouldn't wouldn't have happened unless we had a visionary and an integrator. And Jim was the integrator, and I was the visionary, and we actually got some stuff done because we had that great combination. Sure. Well, right now, I'm trying to do both of those things at Zenger's, and it's not working very Uh-oh. well. And so I need to hire like- I could told you that wasn't gonna <laughs> fly so i need a, i need to hire somebody that would be a quote-unquote like an integrator and then i also need somebody in like yeah, my support and i need some new sales so is this people. like like a chief operations officer sort of and maybe like coo cfo type responsibility i need to hire a couple people and you know it's you know so if anybody is in the chicagoland area please contact me yeah so if you would like to work for a guy who has multiple firearms including ones that spray out pepper this is jason he's looking for you <laughs> I have some other attributes besides that, but thanks, Nick. (laughs) We happen to be a great place to work. (laughs) All right. So here's what we're going to do next. We're going to do some manufacturing news. We are. And everything's on this gun theme today. So it's actually amazing to me. It seems like every other opportunity we get for a fixture, it's for some sort of like upper receiver, lower receiver, slides. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Is that, You're seeing this all the time? Yeah. Like we knew the industry was booming, but I wanted to look into it and see like, Okay, how much? And, and you have a picture for me so I can understand it. And I see that right away. Look at 2020 compared to Holy 2019. God. That's a Holy huge God. jump. So NICS gun sale data for 2020, best year ever, over 21 million sold. I'm going to read through this. You guys can stop me and make comments, but... Yeah, just don't go too deep with it. This is from Guns. I mean, it's really obvious when you look at the graph. It makes you nervous. Well, the audience can't look at the graph, so I have to read it. Well, we should put it in our show notes. (laughs) And you can get that on the Boring Bar by subscribing to our newsletter. Okay. Fueled by an estimated 8.4 million new first-time gun owners, suggested gun sales data climbed nationwide through 2020 and closed the year out at a record high. The unadjusted number of 39,320-something thousand checks conducted through the Federal Bureau of Investigation's National Instant Criminal Background Check System last year is a 40.41% jump from the unadjusted figure of 28 million logged in 2019. So from 28 million to 40 million. 40% 40% increase. 40% increase. Okay, so got it. So when the figures are adjusted, removing data for gun permit checks and rechecks, the latest total stands at 21 million. And according to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, the trade organization for the U.S. gun industry, the number is a 59.7% increase when compared against 2019. So 60% increase in gun sales from one year to the next. It's a new annual record. It surpasses the benchmark of 15 million set in 2016 when the pollsters said Hillary Clinton was headed to the White House, it surpasses that number by 34.3%. And Nick, I remember that because, you know, one of our biggest clients who's actually been on the show, Eric and Heidi Schmidt, 
they make firearm parts. And I remember that year, that, that year when, when Hillary was saying those things and they, their business really started growing and they've just been doing a lot of, well, that goes back to like what I was talking about. All the fixtures that people want us to build for them are for firearms. And Eric was one of those who was looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been a drastic increase. So really what has. caused the spike? What did cause the spike? I, I know, I know. Demand. Bing. You got it. All right. No, but the what caused the spike, so industry experts chalk up the huge jump in figures to a combination of factors. It's a reaction to the politicians and anti-gun advocates pressing for more restrictions on legal firearms. At the same time, civil unrest and pandemic lockdowns swept the country. Well, here's one of the other interesting things that I heard is that there was a lot of people who had traditionally been against carrying firearms that have gotten into being first-time gun owners. And even people that would have been like politically affiliated against firearms are are now firearm owners. And so I think that's one of the like more rather interesting trends that's happened. Yeah, it really is. I won't read the entire article. We'll share it in the show notes, but basically it goes on to say it's going to continue to grow and they think 2021 might be an even bigger jump. So I've, I've heard much of that. An even bigger too. jump mm-hmm. or as good as 2020? Because you, you just said there was a 40% increase. So they're saying another 40% on top Here, of 2020? Here's how the article closes. Here's the kicker. That would be huge. Jim's doing his math and he's questioning. Yeah, that. it's so good. I like this. Precise. I got to work on my journalistic integrity. Yes, yeah. you do. Yeah, no fake news. Should that occur, this person predicts, the growth of first-time gun buyers and overall firearm sales will be closer to what was seen in 2020 than in previous years. So oh. consistently growing at that rate is what she she's saying in the article. It's almost like we're trying to defend the Alamo. You know what? This is a crazy world we're in. Davy Crockett's going to Maybe people back. need guns. I don't or know. Or Tommy Gunn. One of the, one of the other. <laughs> I don't think you'll be seeing a lot of Tommy Gunn sales, though. All right. So we're going to get into the episode. Should I introduce that guy? You should. So our guest today is a global traveler with all sorts of experience making chips in the metalworking world. He's one of the most engaging social media leaders, championing the industry we all love. He began his career as a machinist and programmer. Mm. He moved into leadership positions with air turbine tools, fifth axis work holding, and he's recently moved into a new position as the general manager for MTD CNC Global. Welcome to the show, Tony Gunn, a.k.a. T-Gunn. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, and thank you for having me. So what is this T-Gun thing? Well, goodness. We're going to talk about it, aren't we? Even yeah, I'm going to make you do it. Yeah, yeah it's going to be the first thing we talk about. <laughs> to be fair, I was in Detroit just the other day and made this post on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, so, I guess so you put yourself on the spot. Sick. Yeah, it's my fault. Yeah. It's definitely my fault. In a previous life, from about 2003 to 2010, I pretended to be a hip-hop artist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and that was your stage name, T-Gun? T-Gun was oh, my no. stage name, yes. Did you have any official recordings? About 250 of them in five albums, yeah. Oh, so we could go on Spotify? And- no. Oh, okay. I'm taking them all off. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. Okay, were, got were it, you, Were got you it. part of like 8 Mile or East Coast or West Coast or like the Miami gang? I was never that tough. No, I, I I wrote about much nicer things, but I got into it because of, of some pretty serious conditions and it was some massive, massive therapy. And I wrote poetry when I was in college. So as much as I'd love to sing, I can't sing a lick. So it ended up being poetry behind music and hip hop. Yeah, default. we call that rap, right? We call that rap. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> cool. It, you know, I, I actually it. used to be really into hip hop. 
And then I just couldn't take the actual lyrics anymore. But now I've started getting back into it a little bit more because now there's Christian hip hop, which I like listening to, which actually has a, a good message to it. But if, for a long time, I used to like, you know, like the Jay-Z's and the, you know, stuff like that. And I just, I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't listen to these words. You know what I mean? So who's so, the greatest yeah, of all time rapper? T-Gun. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not T-Gun. That is, that is very subjective. There are a yeah. lot of really influential people out there. Right. I can't pick one either. Yeah. So here's how I met Tony. We're going to call you Tony. We're going to stop with the T. Thank you. Thing. I appreciate that. I met him on LinkedIn. It's crazy. It's just, I mean, so many of my relationships I know. start there. I know. I tend to like people who have something to say and a lot of people who have something to say. That's and, how you and, met us. <laughs> I mean, right? Yes, it is. He stalked us. He didn't just meet us. I was a little stalker-esque. A little stalky. But let me tell you. So my first in-person meeting with Tony was the exact opposite of this one. We were on a beach in Florida, and now we are in Rockford, Illinois, and it is one degree. All correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Between the two meetings, we can go to the beach anytime with 80 degrees if you'd like. Yeah, I would rather be there. However, I am grateful to be here as well. It was something we discussed on the beachfront that night was we need to get you over to Rockford and, and get on the Making Chips podcast. Exactly, because you're so full of stories. Uh, I think you, I mean I think you spelled that S O U L full of stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, it was like we were there for like four hours, and I was like, man, this guy's lived one heck of a life. So let's start. Like, we, we need the, to hear about these. We do this I, all the time. I, I love to hear these stories. Origin story. Like, yeah, yeah. How did you get into Metalworking Nation? Tell us from the beginning your story. Well, I was born on November first. No, <laughs> <laughs> not that far back. Not that far back. I really completely by accident, like a lot of the other, you know, misfits that I connect to in this industry, it was by accident. And I just, I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player. That's really what I thought I was going to do with my life. Yeah, um, we have that in common, man. You know, I went to college for it, you know, got kicked out of college for it, tried to play at a professional level and realized quickly that I wasn't quite as good as I thought I was. Yeah. And just kind of needed a place with insurance, honestly, and, and connected with some friends who had a great job with great insurance and got brought in knowing pretty much nothing. And I tell this story quite often, actually, this beginning part of the story, not the whole story, because yeah. people get bored and say, move on with it already. But yeah. the beginning part of the story is I worked on a press machine in a precious metal factory that took a steel cylinder. And when you push two buttons on either side, a piece of plexiglass comes down, a steel cylinder comes down and punches a hole in a piece of gold, platinum, silver, palladium, whatever that might be. As simple as that is, that was what how was I started. What was that process called? I just remember being with punching, like we just punched the holes. Right, right, well, right. Well, what was the literal. end product? You don't even know that? Uh, yeah, I do know that. I stayed there six years. It ended up being... <laughs> <laughs> Good. Right, well, I didn't know right. if maybe you got kicked out of there too, so... <laughs> yes, but not right away. <laughs> this is the story of my life. The uh, process allowed us to create wedding bands and anniversary rings Kinda and what things I assume. like that. There so you you're go. punching the outside and the inside of the precious metal. Then to be put on, and at this time, about 30 different kinds of lays where we had to program them line by line, 1.44 megabyte floppy disk, you know. Oh, wow. wow. And I almost every those. program needed to have an offset to it. And, you know, gosh, how tedious was it at that time? But, um, but that was how it started. And that was how I learned programming was line by line by an incredible gentleman by the name of Bill Sullivan, who was about 60-something at that age. And he went through all the tape age. Oh, and yeah. He, oh, that's where NC tape. Jim's yeah. talked about that before, yeah. too. Yeah. And he was generous enough to, to kind of show me his ways. And, and I caught on quickly enough that, you know, we fast forward a few years and we are where we are today. But what an excellent experience that was. Cool. So, Tony, when we first met this morning, 
you had mentioned that you were really passionate about global. You're a sales guy. I assume that part of that is, you know, global travel, but what is it that you're so passionate on the global scene of manufacturing? I believe for the most part, and there's always going to be someone out there that goes, well, also this, and you didn't name that. There's always that guy, right? But between you, me, and the air, pretty much manufacturing and engineering create everything that's around us, right? So yeah, everything. People fail to appreciate that aren't in our industry, and sometimes even in our industry, but fail to appreciate what goes behind the creation of all of these products. They take for granted the laptop that you're sitting behind, the microphones that we're talking on, even the bottle of water I'm drinking out of. They don't. They, they take that for granted, and what I want to do is not only am I inspired personally, and I want everyone to succeed in this life and be able to take care of a family and have food and you know go on vacation from time to time. But I want people to appreciate the people behind the machines. There are some real geniuses here and some real nice people and some real clever people. And these engineers, we're talking sending people to the moon and Mars maybe. And, you know, I, I just saw a bone hip today when I was over at Yamazin. You know, we're, we're replacing body parts. This is our industry. And I think sometimes we're taken for granted. But I, I want to expand on that. I think other markets like movies, TV, fashion, they do one heck of a job of humanizing everything. And that's one thing we don't do. In manufacturing, we lack that. Well, you know, I, I got to say, that's one of the things that we do here at man Making Chips. I mean, like our mission is that we tell manufacturing stories. And if whether we tell that through 3D rendering or through, you know, video interviews or through podcasts, we tell manufacturing stories. So that's like our mission is to more humanize what we do here um, in manufacturing. So I, I really like that, that we're kind of moving along that that similar mission as, as you are. But Tony, do you think people don't care or do you think people just are oblivious to manufacturing or do you think people- I think they're oblivious and they take it for granted. But do you think people still think that manufacturing, I can't believe it anymore, but do you think people still think that it's a dead industry and it's dirty and it's for low-class people? Or it's been outsourced to China. Yeah, or it's been outsourced to China. I mean, do you think that that mentality is still there? Everything you just said, I believe, is true depending on the person. Really? Um, I think that some are absolutely oblivious and don't care to seek any knowledge about it. I right. Th I think that it is also considered a dirty job or even looked down upon from time to time and depending on the industry that's doing the talking, right? All, all of what you said exists. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and some of those jobs do exist and some people love really getting their hands dirty. So let's not look down in that part of the industry either. No, right? I know. Agreed. Just because we're doing robotics, we also want to get our hands dirty. Right. But also, let's emphasize what we're creating and the people who are doing this. And the question you posed a little bit ago was, why aren't we humanizing it as much as maybe we could or should or might be, that kind of a thing? And I heard a joke one time, and it was, I'm going to mess it up badly like I always do, but the joke was, how can you tell when you're talking to a regular, standard, normal engineer or when you're talking to an outgoing engineer? Well, when they talk to you, they'll look at your feet instead of their own feet. So yeah, the, world, that. That's good. the That's world good. That's we good. work in is not built around humanizing and, and talking and being excited. We're built around numbers and analytics and right. figuring out how to make things happen. And we don't care if we're on TV, you know, going, we're the latest and greatest. Look what we did. We're not doing Look that. At we're this going cool stuff we made. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing that. We're yeah. going, let's get back to work. Let's yeah. make this world spin. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of funny. So like I, I actually studied, I have a degree in engineering and I never actually became a quote unquote engineer because I did an internship when I was in college and I was like, I really like working with people and I like talking to people and I don't think I really want to be an engineer. And then I ended up like, I still got my degree, but I took some more business classes and figured out what I didn't want to do. And now I still 
do engineering related stuff, but it's, you know, not. But that's a good mix. Engineering plus business equals manufacturing leader. And a lot, in a lot of cases. Telling manufacturing stories. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Speaking about metrics and analytics and telling stories. So there's this like ongoing debate in the marketing world. Should you, as far as like promoting content, promoting your brand, getting your message out there. So what's the best approach? Should you take a Tommy gun or a machine gun approach and just spray as much content out there? Or should you take like more of a sniper approach and make sure you're hitting the right person with that like more precise message? So and before you answer that question, so we had Ted Ledzinski from Motor City on, on the show. And Ted is, he's all about grabbing like seven machine guns at the same time and spraying all oh, over the place. Oh, yeah. And he'll be the first person to tell you that that's <laughs> and you a strategy. Know, you know Ted, right? I was just at his facility last week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what what would you say? Okay, is it a sniper? Is it a machine gun? What, what's the T-gun answer to this? I'd like to give you a long answer if that's okay. Oh, please do. Um, I have my own it, answer, but I want to hear you. It's all inclusive, really. And yeah. um, it can be both. And it can be spraying all over the place and it can be very precise based on either the end user or, you know, B2B, B2C type of content that you're trying to promote. So it can it can really honestly be all of it. And it also depends on the platform you're on. You know, if you're on a an Instagram or a Twitter or a LinkedIn or a Facebook or a YouTube, you're gonna do a little bit different. And now we're totally. getting involved with like a TikTok or even a Snapchat, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And who knows what we're gonna have tomorrow. Right. So Every and don't algorithm, forget email. You know, people still do that. That's right. <laughs> and paper mail. Yeah. We do that still, I think. Yeah. It's so, definitely a different, you know what I mean? Yeah. No. And people still want it, you know. People still respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's that's kind of what I thought you would say. And I, I think if you ask a soldier, like, what's the right weapon to use, they would say, like, well, it depends. depends on the mission. Thank you. Yeah. That's a really good way to say it. So um, good answer, T-Gun. Uh, those are the only kind I have. I'm just kidding. I like the movie Grandma's Boy. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. He goes, those are the only kind I have. Great idea. Those are the only kind I have. So without giving away all your tips and tricks, I know I know, like social media is a big part of what you do. Can you give the manufacturing leader some perspective on maybe how to think about getting involved in social media? Because that's a big part of like why everyone knows who you are. So maybe maybe just some kind of like philosophical tips and tricks if you don't want to get into the nuts and bolts of exactly how you do what you do. Well, Nick, I, I knew you were going to ask me this, and so I prepared for it. Okay, yeah. And, and I told you I wouldn't make you give the secret. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I appreciate that heads up because there are a ton of algorithms that go into every piece of it and why to do it and when to do it and what day to do it. And, you know, it, it really goes on and on. So we could break it down by minute by minute on each social, but I don't want to do that. But you're yeah. talking to manufacturers here. Right. So remember- You have to convince not- them, like, why they should have a LinkedIn. Right, right. So, so when, keep it. But high that's level. changing. And, yeah, I, and right. what I'd actually like to do instead of instead of breaking it down because we are talking in the engineering world is I'd I'd like to give a few shout outs as to what helped me adapt to each of these platforms and by taking the best pieces of each of these people have helped me understand myself better and how I want to present myself in this social media world. I think that makes for a better answer to my question. So please do. Excellent. So I really value someone like a Titan Gilroy. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He's a big on-camera person. Everyone knows him for the boom. He's obviously doing some pretty good machining, has some great partnerships. I value him as a person and a friend and a mentor. He taught me a lot. I met him when he was on his third season of his TV show, helping those guys in San Quentin create a little bit of hope when he was working with some machine companies at that time. Mm-hmm. And the 
human aspect of that, and we just touched on you know humanizing things a little bit previous to this conversation, but the human aspect of watching that show and seeing these guys with tears in their eyes who have been in prison for years go, I think I have a chance when I get out. He gave him hope. That's when I knew Titan and I were going to be friends. Mm -hmm. And so I've watched him along the way, and he's grown along the way, and he's made some changes and decisions, you know, going from California to Texas just recently. And, and so I watch and I learn, and also he's allowed me the time to be a mentee to him, to learn from him. Even at such times where we were coincidentally flying home from Emo together, I saw him at the airport. He was waiting for his flight. I sat down beside him. He offered me 30 minutes to 45 minutes of, of his time just to guide me on where he thought I should go with marketing and, and understanding it. I value someone like a Mark Terryberry. I think Haas does a really great job with our website and him being the face of it, explaining these technical tips. The tip tips, of the day, right? Tip yeah. of the day. Yeah. I think constantly doing that on a weekly basis allows people to understand those particular machines more. I like what he does. I think he's also a kind and generous guy. John Saunders is another one. I think he does an amazing job on YouTube and there's a reason why people hire him and like his personality and his camera angles, how he goes about understanding the machine from a technical aspect. I like that. And then someone who I worked with really closely recently was a guy named Matt Evans with Fifth Access Workholding. And he is a whiz on Instagram, right? He is t he's over a hundred and over 110,000 followers or something, right? Maybe one of the largest in our industry on Instagram yeah, right it's now. Yeah, it's pretty relevant. So yeah. combining these people and these aspects and these attributes and characteristics, and I consider every single one of them a dear friend to me, I also didn't want to steal their thunder or their show, and I named a single platform for each one. I forgot to name Titans. He's really great on Facebook and several of the other ones as well. So if you think about what I just named, Instagram, Facebook, a personal website, and YouTube, what was left? LinkedIn. Or Twitter. I'm not famous enough for Twitter. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> right. So I jumped on LinkedIn Good and, and I combined all of these amazing people and what they do and who I admire in this industry and said, okay, let me understand LinkedIn's algorithm and what people want to see and why they want to see it. Of course, they want to see something technical. But before they read something technical, how do you grab their attention? You show them some cool shit is what you do. And then they want to read some more and know more about that machine and more about that product. And then you can get into the detail. You got to pull them in. That's right. And they say it takes the average person a commercial to see a commercial eight times before we realize what they're even selling to us. Right. So we have to repeat ourselves, but we have to do it in an effective way that's full of content that's not boring that's not just a sales pitch it's fun it's enjoyable let's connect each other again through humanizing this whole situation so give us some tips and tricks that what you're using is it by tagging people is it by putting extra verbiage or context into your posts we know the image is really powerful to attract the person's eye as they scroll through their newsfeed. But is are some of the tactics to tag multiple people have a high engagement rate right away as soon as they start typing in? What do you think? I think it really breaks down to being authentic. Okay. Honestly, I think authenticity is important. Not, not to jump in, but I think that was his tip and trick. Find someone who's awesome at it and start following them and kind of emulate them. That That's really what you did. So without, without getting into all the details and all the weeds, it's right. like, Go find like a digital mentor and see how they do it and then start to kind of emulate that. That's correct. And the answer is yes to what you asked. Of yeah. course, you want to involve as many people as you can. And, you know, if you understand hashtags a bit better, then you understand hashtags are more or less forever. So if three years down the road, somebody goes, I need to look up making chips. You just hashtag Google making chips and it comes up, right? Exactly. So 
just making sure, be authentic in what we do, I think is very important because we live in an industry with really intelligent people and people will call BS right away. Totally. And when I don't know a subject, I don't. I try my very best not to make something up. That's I go, huge. I don't know the answer, but I know a guy who does and let me get back to you. Or, sure. or you tag that guy in. Or I tag that guy in yeah. 100%. Yeah. So speaking of hashtags, like we have some branded hashtags that we, you know, we do for like, you know, hashtag making chips or hashtag boring bar. I at my own business have like hashtag work holding wisdom. Do you have any that you consistently use that where if I wanted to find all your stuff, I could see, okay, is this like hashtag gun show or <laughs> that's what you call your show, right? That's coming soon, my friend. I hope you'll be a part of it. Yeah. The gun show is coming. Well, the, the obvious ones, right? So MTD CNC, MTD CNC Global, MTD Global, anything that if somebody wants to find out more about our companies, those are the hashtags we use, right? We're branding ourselves. So it's important to do that. Now, I will offer a piece of advice. I can't give away all my secrets, but when I'm supporting a lot of these companies around the globe, and I think it's important that we do support one another, and I'm not going to give specifics because I think it's unfair. If I look up a hashtag of a name, some companies I can find really easy because they are a unique name, whereas something is a bit more general and I have a thousand things of fashion in there. And so if I'm trying to find a machine, it gets lost in sunglasses and clothing and supermodels and things like that. So pay attention to whatever it is that you want to brand. Brand it in such a way that it doesn't get lost in the wash with a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. So don't name your machine tool Kylie Jenner. Yeah. Don't be so unique that nobody will ever look you up, <laughs> but be unique enough that you're not lost. So if, if we want to like blaze the same tra trail, do you think that Nick and I should jump on TikTok and start doing manufacturing? <laughs> Manufacturing dances? <laughs> Absolutely. I would pay to see that. All right. We got it. You there ready? we go. Premium content. <laughs> so, so Tony, tell us about MTDCNC. What, what is your role there? What made you decide to go to that company? I mean, there's a, a, probably a lot of our audience that isn't as familiar with you know who they are because I know they're more prevalent in Europe. That is correct. And thank you for asking that question. I'd love to talk about it. And the owners of the company will give a far better answer than I can, I'm sure, as I'm you know pretty new at it, to be honest. I just came on board in January. And if I may preface all of this with, I you know decided to take time away from everything in life and backpack Mexico for about three or four months. I wanted to clear my mind. I wanted to clear my conscience. I wanted to make sure that the moves that I was making in life were pure and authentic. And I will always want to be that kind of person. And so I needed time for me and my family. And prior to taking that, I had been on the road for about 90% of the year to over 50 countries around the world. And so being away from my family that much was somewhat difficult. So I needed that time to myself. And then I have a 30% rule. No more than 30% of my life travel. It's, it's more my wife's rule because <laughs> I, I would be pushing closer to 50, but I'm glad I have it. So I, I don't yeah. do a lot of traveling, but I actually announced on Making Chips several episodes ago that I'm going to be doing a sabbatical this summer. So I'd love to hear from you. On, he wants to borrow you know, your backpack. Yeah, yeah. I might need to borrow your backpack. <laughs> and, but I'd, I'd like to know, you know, just like maybe some, some tips that you have as far as that goes. Mine's going to be a little bit different because I'm still going to be employed and owning <laughs> the company. But um, yeah, I definitely want to do something and do do something with my family as well. Well, the next podcast we do, we'll do it on tourism and travel and we'll really set <laughs> you, you up. Go. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about it off. Well, mic. you mentioned that these owners, they could tell the story better than you because they've been around for a long time. But I will But they're in the UK, it. right? They are in the UK, yes. So yes. that's where we got to go. Making chips goes to, you know, England, London, wherever you guys are. Let's go in what they call summer. 
And yeah. uh, that, that would be considered July. And it can, can sometimes be very beautiful. But the great thing about England is you can still get all four seasons in the same day. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so the guys at MTD, MTD. Yeah, will we'll say this a lot better and more eloquently than, than I can. But being on my sabbatical, I cleared my mind. And because what COVID did to a lot of companies and situations, I, I kind of saw what I wanted my future to be. And, and I got a lot of phone calls. And I'm really humbled and grateful for all the companies that, that reached out to me during my time where I was taking on interviews without... I, I told everyone, I'll be back January 1st. I'm not working before then. Just, it's not, we're not going to do that. And I spoke with the guys at MTD and I had done a few interviews with them. Actually, my first one with them was in England in 2014 when I was with the air turbine and my hair was below my shoulders. And Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And they brought that video up the other day and said, we're going to have fun with this one. But what MTD is really and what we're growing to become even more so is we want to be a global news channel. It goes all the way back full circle to what we talked about at the beginning of this when we're bringing you know, humanity together to talk about our world and the significant people behind it. So we want to be sort of like... If you're on TV right now, you're watching your news, you flip on ESPN, you turn on the cooking network, you turn on the engineering network, boom, there we are. You know, we want, we want to interview people face-to-face in an authentic way that allows them to be them and explain what they love most and the technology that's coming out, you know, the latest and greatest is coming out tomorrow. We want to talk about those things and we want the world to know about it. We want to connect people to make sure we all understand that Hey, I didn't know that existed. I've been doing it this way for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I could have been doing it so much faster and better. Let's create that awareness together as a team, everyone. That's kind of what we're here to do. So it's kind of all inclusive when it comes to like PR and marketing and, you know, the gun show podcast will be doing that. But I want everyone to know also being on Making Chips podcast, there are no such things as competitors for us. Not, not in an egotistical way. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, there is a massive amount of support that we can all offer one another. So let's work together in doing this because our engineering world is huge and there's so much we can do symbiotically to work together to help everyone generate success. And being that the U.S. is second in the world right now in manufacturing only to China, which may change soon. It may. There is a ton of manufacturing here, so let's not think that it's all been shipped off. Yeah, and we need to make it more attractive to well this younger said. generation. So, like, this is a great part of, of accomplishing that. And I agree. Like, you know, there's competition, but, you know, this is not something where you're only going to buy one of these. You're going to listen to, you know, the gun show and you might listen to making chips. Yeah, and then you brought up Titan. Titan's a friend of ours. Yeah, he's, he's been on the yeah, podcast. He's great. Like yeah. Saunders, we've talked to him. We yeah. talked to Mark Terry. Like everyone you brought up, we all talk to each other. And I like your buffet reference that you made to me on the phone. Where it was just the two of us, but. Give that to the audience. You, you mentioned like we're not competing over. It's, what'd you yeah, say? It's, it's, I think buffets are icky now in this like COVID. <laughs> though, so you know, I think they put a kibosh on buffets. <laughs> it's not, not a real not buffet. In Florida. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, Florida's famous for their buffets, aren't they? Oh yes, for sure. <laughs> but what did you mean? So what I was saying when we were talking on the phone, Nick, is that we're not fighting over some crumbs of a piece of bread that's on the floor. Like there's not scraps. There's an entire buffet that can be supported because there are so many companies that need this type of marketing support and we all need to do what we do best and sometimes that's making a robot and sometimes that's implementing the robot and sometimes that's talking 
talking about the robot, right? So we each have a great role to play in a symbiotic relationship so that we can all succeed. And there is enough for everyone. We don't need to fight and argue. And that's the reason why when you asked me about social media earlier, I wanted to name some big names because they are important to me. They have been my mentors for years. And I'm never going to consider them competition because they are my friends. Right on. Because I get like, why are you having Tony on? Doesn't he do the same thing you do? Isn't he a competitor? I'm like, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. So maybe you haven't seen us at dinner before, but <laughs> so yeah. Thank, thank you for answering that. Yeah, it's absolutely a pleasure. Thank you for asking it. So Tony, you know, from a marketing perspective, one of the things that you know we always talk about here on making chips is that you know we want to move our clients towards like what's the problem that you solve. So like, what is the problem that you're trying to solve in the manufacturing industry in your new position? You know, I think we've talked about it a lot already, uh, honestly, and it's just awareness, right? There are so many products out there. And, and every time I think I know something, I really don't because I'm learning something new every day. And I walk into a conversation and they go, do you know what so-and-so is? And I'm like, I think I do, but I think you're about to tell me the expert version of what I actually right. know, right? Right on. So again, it's it's about awareness. And, and, and back to the commercial thing of eight commercials before we recognize what's being sold, awareness, 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 and what we're moving into in the world right now. And I've been talking about this a lot with some of our partners is the awareness that the next step is most likely going to be being able to adapt and being able to be flexible. When we talk about large job shops and large batches that used to be a massive thing, those large batches are now being reduced. So we need quicker changeovers to go to another job. We need the idea of being able to to switch from one process to another process as quickly as we can will be the way that we have success because the large batches are starting to be reduced. And this is this is the direction. So if you talk to a lot of companies right now, it's how quickly can I switch those vices out? How quickly can I change that gripper wrist on my robot? How quickly can I turn over that that chuck that's in my lathe right now? You know, mm-hmm. and so these concepts are extremely important between five minutes of downtime to a full day of downtime, even, you know, when you're checking a run out of a chuck on a, on a lathe or something, right? Yeah, so, some of these setups are crazy, man. Some of them are extremely crazy. So the quicker we can, the more we can keep that spindle moving because they say on average, we run a machine spindle about 40% of its capacity. If we can double that, we are now globally effective and competitive with anyone that's around. So that's where education comes into play. And that's where understanding this flexibility comes into play. So is it work holding? Is it education? Is it all of the above? It is everything. It's a combination of all of those And things. again, back to us all working together is right. so important. I was just talking with a guy named Troy Simpson, a brilliant guy in Danville, Virginia, runs the National H-Tech Center there. And he's got 19 schools involved right now. We're starting in sixth grade. They're starting to learn, okay, I want to be an engineer. So if we can get that skills gap change, mm-hmm. if we can get people interested at a younger age, then we've already started to ignite that next level of learning, right? But of course, it goes into work holding and tooling and programming and you know everything that goes along with it. We just, we're constantly adapting and learning ourselves. We also, as humans, need to be adaptable and flexible. I'm going to bring this full circle. You, you know what doesn't need quick changeovers? Making firearm parts. You just want to make as many of those as possible. <laughs> right now, like we yeah. said during the manufacturing news, you know those those sales are up, and you just can't make enough, so you just want to keep making them. Yeah, right on. That, that's when you get the real high volume automated fixtures, where it's just like as soon as you change it over, clamp, reclamp, start get that spindle up to ninety percent utilization instead of forty. Well, I can't give you guys the details, but I have been into the Ruger plant in Arizona, and. They wouldn't tell me how many guns were leaving per day. Let's put it that way. Sure. They're not. Yeah, there's no way. And the efficiency that's going on there is exactly what you were just Mm -hmm. talking about. 
Because if you're running at 40% instead of 90%, you're not making chips. And if you're not making chips, you ain't making money. Bam. As always, thank you for listening to the Making Chips podcast. You need to increase the speed and feed of your business. If you're not elevating your manufacturing leadership, you're going to get left behind. The metalworking nation is committed to a new way to stay ahead of the competition. We have more content to help you make and elevate at makingchips.com. Gain access to exclusive content, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you. We'll see you next time. The knowledge centers at IMTS Spark cover the manufacturing concepts you need to understand for your business today. It's a deep dive, but it's also easy to consume and fun to explore. Yeah, I like to consume, but yeah, the topics look great. One, securing the U.S. supply chain. Two, trends in parts cleaning. Oh, that sounds interesting. Three, why multitasking? Four, practical approaches to automation. Five, five-axis machining. Six, top shops. Seven, digital manufacturing. Eight, trends in automotive. And nine, additive manufacturing for production. I'm surprised you can count that high. I can. I can. Look at that. You know, I know that parts cleaning technology, just like other technologies, is evolving. Can you tell me more about that? The latest cleaning trends point toward environmentally friendly ways to clean effectively, replacing harmful chemical solvents with a mostly aqueous method and updated processes that clean and dry complex parts better than ever before. Sounds like a washing machine. Go to imts.com slash spark. You want to take the last one, guys, or should it be me? Go ahead. You, I think you should. I, I, can, I can ask it too. Yeah, go I ahead. I think it says Jay-Z on it, doesn't it? Yep. What? You took the Jay-Z one before. Oh, yeah. I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I thought you said Jay-Z because we were talking about no, no. earlier. <laughs> Wait, we're going to talk Jay-Z about Jay-Z, Jay-Z now? now? <laughs> yeah. Jay-Z is my rap name. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't heard one of my albums? So we're going to do some freestyling next. <laughs> How about we just write some poetry instead? Some we'll, broetry. We'll write some broetry. <laughs> some broetry. <laughs> you know, oh, you know what we're talking about? Are you familiar with broetry? Those stupid posts. No. Hey, have you ever written any broetry? I don't know what it is.